Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Reading Radio Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Alara. And we're happy to welcome you to this next edition of the Reading Radio Podcast. If you're not familiar with what we do, we are a father-daughter, young adult book club podcast. Everyone's welcome, of course, whether you have kids or are a kid at heart. We just pick a book each month, we read through it, we discuss it here on the podcast, get some discussion going hopefully on the private Facebook group that we have, and just figure out how we can build a mutual love of literature together and have great communication in our families. Does that sound about right? Yep. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. All right, so this month our book is City of Ember by Janine Duprow, as I'm going to guess how to pronounce it because I've never actually heard it pronounced before. Dupro, Duprow, Dupra? What do you think it is? I think it's Dupro. Dupru? Dupru, well, D-U-P-R-A-U. Dupra. And why did we read this book? You picked this one out. I picked this one again because one of my friends read it and uh. they wouldn't stop talking about it. They're over it more now, but I still thought it would be an interesting concept. And when we went on our book hunting spree, this was one of the books we saw. Right. So this is what happens. These kids read books and they all get obsessed with it and start talking about it. And then everyone else has to read it to catch up. And that's a lot of the ways how we find books. That's how we found Maze Runner, City of Embers, Percy Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think all those books that we've got, that you've gotten into and have had me read mm-hmm. have been because they're popular and the kids are reading them at the time. Yeah. Which, parents, is a great thing to jump in and read what they're reading. Figure out how you can build good discussions off of those and have some good conversation with your kids. Other than just, uh-huh. Which they tend to do when they get into the teen years. I haven't started yet. Not yet. You've been actually very good. All right. So the background we have for this book uh, it isn't isn't super big. It, um, a movie was created about it in 2008. We haven't watched that movie yet. We're trying not to spoiler, spoiler, spoil ourselves on anything in the future. Although uh, we have a rule in our house. You have to read the book before you watch the movie. So we may try to find the movie and see if it's any good. Have you heard anything about it? I heard that it's crap based on the book. <laughs> I, I think everybody you'd hear that from, though, is a book nerd, and book nerds are never happy when their movie when their books are made into movies. Never. Like Harry Potter is the only thing that's come close, and then of course it can't make everybody happy. So everyone's got some yeah. attitude about something. What are you going to do? But we'll have a spoiler-free discussion quickly. You want to give us a summary of the book, just what it's about? The book is about the city of Ember, right? Which is a city in this dark worlds so all they have for light is the floodlights and the street lights and floodlights street lights and floodlights and then the lights keep going out they need to figure and then two kids take it upon themselves to figure out why those two kids are lina and dune yes and so it's their adventures of figuring out uh, what's happening in the city why things are going down the way that they are all right now we're gonna enter our spoiler zone i really need to get like a little I don't know what they call it in the business, but music that plays through this and says something about, you're now entering the spoiler zone. If anybody out there is listening that knows how to do that kind of stuff and wants to put one together for us, that'd be awesome. You can send it over to uh, readingradiopodcast at gmail.com. Be fun. <laughs> uh, because I don't know how to do that necessarily. But we're going to move right into right into the conversation about the book. Uh, well, actually, let's talk overall. What, we may spoil in this, but what did you think? What were your impressions of the book? What was your favorite part? It was a really good book, and I loved the ending. If it was, if I had no idea about it beforehand and I just found the book, I never would have thought, like, it doesn't have to be a series. Right. The ending is very substantial. Is that the right word? I don't know. You tell me. You're the one who's trying to communicate. There's not, there's nothing that leaves you wondering. I agree. Which is something you 
did not like in the May genre books. Right. I don't like, especially first books that are definitely written to make you read the rest. I think if, I feel like a first book in a series should leave you satisfied. That yes. you don't have to move on, but you can if you want to. And I think this, I agree with you, this did a great job. It closed out well. It didn't have all, there's some hanging threads, like you don't know what happened to various characters in it, or, you know, mm-hmm. did they, we're spoiling anyway. So did the City of Ember actually all come out from underground and figure out what's happening? But or, that's perfect space for fan fiction. Some series, I know, I'm like that. Right, and that's okay. I didn't, I guess the shorter the story is, the less I care about how much they, they answer all my questions. Yes. So TV shows that I watched for six or seven years, I want to know everything. You better answer all the questions that anybody ever had so that we can be very satisfied. I put a lot of time into this. This book took me about four hours because I listened to, the, listened to the audiobook at double time. I wasn't invested as much as I would be after seven years of something. And so yeah. it's kind of like short stories can't possibly ever answer that whole thing. So I think there's some relationship there to how long you invest in, in a piece of media and how maybe how dissatisfied you'll be if it, if it doesn't give you the ending you want. But I thought this did a great job. Um, the whole story ended well. The characters are really likable. Mm-hmm. Um, even Dune, who was kind of a butthead sometimes, <laughs> it was kind of like, that's just who he is, and he is this way for a reason. And once you know that and understand it, you're good. Yeah. You and friends. Who was your favorite character? I don't know. No? Like, there wasn't that many characters, so it's not like there's a lot to choose That's from. True. It really centered on Lina and Dune. Yeah. But there's also, uh, was it Clary? Clary. She's in the greenhouse. And then oh, yeah. Uh, then I the, think she was my favorite. She seemed to be someone who's like quiet and wise. It's kind of nice. She definitely would be someone who believed, who would believe Lina if she found <laughs> If they'd have gotten the message to her, right? correctly remember she forgot to leave a message when she'd gotten yeah so this book starts out uh, apparently kids only go to school until they're 12 that'd be fun right but then you think but then you have to hit the workforce and so i couldn't understand if the how the economy worked in this book but the jobs are completely random that seems very counterproductive i mean if you think about it you just raise them in basic knowledge you should let them pick maybe at eight or nine what they want to go into and then if there's too many in that, you put them into their second or third choice. Well, that's the problem. Who's going to pick the crappy jobs? Dune. Sure. There's always that one guy who likes that kind of thing. But there's there's probably jobs that are worse than, like, the track trash sorter. Oh, Like, who wants crap. to sit there and literally go through everyone's trash? Like, no one's going to pick that job. And since I couldn't figure out, that's the thing, I couldn't figure out how their economy worked because they got paid. But did that money go back to the city? Like, Lina got paid $20 cents for every message she delivered. Yeah. Did she get to keep that money? They obviously yeah. went and bought things. So did everyone get paid the same amount? Because the way you the way you get people to be trash sorters is you pay trash sorters more until oh. you have enough of them. And then that's, you know, exactly that's how much you're supposed to pay them. And then people who ever wants to be a messenger, well, the messengers don't get paid for crap. And so you get the fun job, but you don't get the money for it because everybody wants to do it. In theory. Like yes. In, in a good supply and demand kind of theory. But I, they didn't get much into that. I'm just an economic nerd. I like to think about those sorts of things. I like stories and books whose economy makes sense. But what do you think of the jobs that you heard of? What did you picture yourself going into? Because you're at that age. You'd be graduating this year. Yay, congratulations. I think the messenger would be fun. That was one of the top ones. Definitely not the doctor's assistant. <laughs> I am go crazy in emergencies. I can't handle stuff like that. Maybe, like, the engineer. There's an engineer-type job. That would be fun. 
right? Figuring out how things yes. work and yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, you have to kind of learn everything on the on the job anyway. It seems like all they were teaching in schools was kind of the history mm-hmm. and like you said, some general education, taught them the lessons of the city. Now the city was surrounded by the darkness, the complete darkness. The city was surrounded by complete darkness on the outside. They were the only light in the darkness, is what they, they called themselves in their, in their songs. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, that like a darkness would really keep people from, from moving out? Well, in that case, yes, because they had no flashlights. There was no light out there. And they mentioned this multiple times. Who knows what's out there? There could be a giant million-foot hole. Yeah, but I'm thinking you build a series of bonfires. I mean, well, they had a limited supply of stuff, so maybe they couldn't yes. do that. Now that I'm thinking about it, because you wouldn't want to destroy all of your food or all of your, you know, all of your supplies or whatever. So we find out we're going to work backwards. I think we find out at the end that these people were sent here to repopulate this city because there's something wrong with the earth. Yeah. What do you think? Out of all the things that are possibly going wrong today, what could have set the earth in such a state that we'd have to put people underground? to rebuild the population after 200 years. World War III, bombs came, and then there was only the builders, a few hundred people. Right. Less than that. So they all go down and build this haven down there. Yep. Down underground to see what, to let the world regenerate. I found it interesting that they picked like 60-year-olds to be the parents with the babies. I mean, that's that's like a grandparent age gap. That's, like, but, sorry, I interrupted. No, go ahead, yeah. But that's because the parents were killed in the epidemic that happened down there. Remember? No, when they came on the train, remember they, they found the diary of the one of the original yes. founders? <clears throat> they gave her and her new husband, using air quotes because they didn't know each other <laughs> until they met, this baby. But they, they intentionally chose older couples to to raise those kids. I think this is why the city of Ember was so immature. It's because, they're, they're, first of all, they didn't want them to learn about the things from the previous world. They wanted to keep that away from the, the first generation, we'll call them, the babies. And they gave them to older parents who were going to die sooner. So these kids coming up had to mature f- faster and kind of create things on their own because they were going to be young with no adult supervision. By the time they're 20, most, I mean, the adults that are getting to their 80s and they're dying off, they're going to start dying off soon. So it's not like they have, they're going to be able to pull from this wisdom for a long period of time. And when you're 20, you think you know everything anyway. So you're not going to be asking for wisdom from these older folks. Does that make sense? Yes. I thought that was intentionally done to help the city feel different because there were so many things that they didn't know. Like, they talked a little about the lost vocabulary, um, like hogwash. No one knows what a hog is. because they, And boats. And boats, right? They didn't understand what those things were. These yeah. are things that just weren't taught because they weren't around and you, you'd never figured it out. I would go, I pictured it as nuclear holocaust because I'm, I'm a child of the Cold War. <clears throat> a nuclear bomb spreads radiation for that's going to pollute the area for 100, 200 years. And so they knew that was coming. They shoved everybody to underground where they'd be protected from it and waited. The interesting thing I thought was they, they always talked about some people getting into the river and being swept down. Did those people die or did they find their way out earlier? Because they didn't, wouldn't have light if I'm that happened. I'm actually going to say they drown. Because right. if you think about it, there's no water source. 
they're going not going to learn how to swim. Mm-hmm. And since it's described as like rapids almost, they're most likely not going to be able to make it all the way out. That's probably true. That's probably true. Why do you think they told the lie of the endless darkness? Why do I think they what? Told the lie of the endless darkness. Well, it was endless. It was just a cave, though. There was going to be an end somewhere. Did the builders know that? And what would happen if someone stumbled into it? I think that was all designed to keep people in Ember for the 200 years that it was meant to be. Remember, the, the latch was supposed to open 200 years later so they could all leave in 200 years. But they thought if people found their way out before that, it would be too soon for, for whatever had happened to be done. And so they'd come back out and die from maybe... That's why, again, thinking nuclear holocaust fallout would be there and just they'd all die of radiation poisoning and the human race would die. So <clears throat> that's, I assume they, they did everything they could to keep them inside that area to really to protect the human race to keep them from going out i definitely hope that's explained more in the sequels why they were pushed underground but i don't think it's going to be i think they'll talk about how you know they might jump into like a year later the city of embers come out here's what we're doing now here's what we found out um hey these things are kind of these animal things are kind of tasty (laughs) like they'll discover (laughs) these things as they go um hopefully there's some somebody to tell them that because think about they've never seen animals so do they know you can eat animals? They might see animals eating other animals and going, oh, let's try that. And they'll try raw meat and figure that's horrible. And die. And it's like, no, do we cook? Do we know to cook the meat? Like, how do you make that connection? We cook vegetables. Can we cook meat too? And like, they'll have to rediscover this whole living of humanity all over again. It's almost like a reverse caveman. Like, evolving from now, we've learned stuff. But now you almost have to de-evolve to learn how to hunt. Yeah, they would. But if they, if they can learn how to do certain things and recreate some parts of society, they could have a thriving society. I mean, I pictured the whole city, seeing that they never said there was somebody she didn't know, the whole city can't be more than like 500 people. Yeah. Uh, they never talked about any kind of population control, so we don't really know for sure. They don't give us a number, but just knowing that everybody could know everybody else. So there's some interesting moral stuff that plays a role in here. They talk about the light and the darkness. Um, and Clary tells Lina that everybody has some darkness inside. Um, what other ways other than the street lights do color and light play a role? Do you remember anything else? Well, the people are being selfish about having all the food. Some people are doing that. Lizzie and the mayor are. And Looper. And Looper. They're hogging all the food away from people who need it because there's some people I'm gonna guess are starving because you can't really have a limited supply of food and expect everyone to get their exact fair share right especially if it's on a system where you have to work and get paid because once you're older I don't see how Lina's grandma was able to survive and feed two kids because she, she was a little bit crazy right but she owned a store or something didn't she yes so hopefully there's some residual income from that that she was maybe able to save up i don't again their economy was left out of sorts what did you think about poppy now that we're here since we talked about her a little bit (sighs) i kind of joked with you earlier i think like we could have called her puppy (laughs) she she could have been an animal and wouldn't have really added much to the story they might develop her later like as the first 
you know, the first escapee, she'll be famous, kind of. As they grow up, like, as she grows up. Yeah. Because I'm assuming this isn't going to take place over, like, a month or whatever. Right, so in the next couple, I mean, there's there's a th- three or four books? Four, I four, think. Four, I think, yeah. So she'll probably come up in something there. It was it was nice to show that Lina cared about something, that she had to go, you know, she went back to get her sister before they escaped, which is probably not the smartest thing in the world, because ta- you don't know what you're facing. Taking a baby along on an adventure like that is only going to hinder yeah. both of you, and... You know, if she falls overboard, she might be able to grab the boat again, but if she loses the baby, you're dead. So, I don't know if that was the greatest idea. I, I didn't think her character really added much to this story, so I'm hoping that she's being set up for something later down the line. I did like how there wasn't a ton of characters. There was mostly them, Lina, and Dune, then the side characters there. Right, so there wasn't a whole cast to keep track of. Yes. Wouldn't that help because... The, they were very distinct. I'm not. I'm not confusing any characters in my mind here of who was who, like I am with some other books. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were in her situation and Lizzie comes to you and says, "Hey, my book, bo- my boyfriend Looper found pineapple. I'll share it with you. Just don't tell anybody that we're taking from the supply closets." What do you think you would do? I don't know. That would be a very, a very tough situation for me, because I'd want to take the food. Because you really like pineapple? No, because I like trying exotic things, and I never would have, have tried it before. Yeah, what did you try recently? Escargot. That was really good. Yeah. We went to a fancy steakhouse in West Virginia when we were visiting family. And I know most of you are thinking fancy steakhouse, West Virginia contradiction. It was really good. And my mom ordered escargot, and I tried it, and it was really good. Yeah, I, it was. We each, we each tried a little bit. It was delicious. So, because you'd want to try something extraordinary? Yes. Is it fair? No, but what are you going to do? You can't divide one can evenly between 500 or however many people. It wouldn't be worth it by then. But there are ways. Since there was peaches and pineapple, you divide up the... Combine them into... Like, like you divide up those between everyone as well. A giant divide fruit salad? All the rare stuff. So I may not get pineapple, but I get corn. So. Gotcha. Yeah, and unfortunately it seems like humankind being what it is people will always take the advantages they can in a situation of scarcity i don't think there's ever been a story where it was a scarce situation there wasn't somebody who was taking more than they should have yeah in real life or in history you know there's been programs like governmental programs that have tried to make everyone equal so everyone gets the same amount of stuff but the people who are in charge of the system always live like kings Mm -hmm. and so the fairest way i think to do it is some sort of market like you're talking about everyone gets a pick everyone gets um you know some sort of choice or you know you've got money we all have jobs you you just decide what you're going to spend money on but that takes down a massive economic (laughs) kind of twist and turn (laughs) one lesson we keep learning from all these books is don't trust anyone in authority because as soon as lizzie tried to go report things to the authorities and follow the right channels she wasn't smart enough to realize oh if i report the mayor the guy in charge People will turn on me. Like, I saw that coming a mile away. <laughs> yeah. And all these books are like that. The person in authority, they are the bad guys. Your face right now. It's because I'm a bit of an anarchist, and I think anybody who would take that kind of authority over people has to have a little bit of, well, has to be a little bit of a sociopath or a psychopath, and they're not to be trusted. I think our founding fathers were at least smart enough to go, Human beings are inherently evil in a lot of ways, and so we should not entrust government 
and its power to any one individual. And so I could see there being a council in the city, you know, something a little bit bigger if, you, if you're going to create some sort of government, but to have one person in charge with that kind of power. Especially with limited supplies. I think with all they thought of, all the builders thought of, I don't see why they didn't think of that. No, no, remember, they're over like 20 years overdue. Yes, but still, they knew that the supplies were li- were limited. Yes, and they had they given them enough to survive for two hundred and twenty years. They were supposed to leave two hundred year at two hundred years, so they were twenty years overdue for leaving. They had plenty if they would have left when they were supposed to, because they could have been farming and and doing and developing husbandry and that sort of thing to get food from the, from outside. So I think they actually did really well. They weren't running low at 200. They were running low at 220 or however many years we are. So I think they thought of that. They definitely should have put, like, instructions on how to farm, how to hunt. Well, I think the problem was... Because no one's going to think of that now. In a limited in a limited environment, they couldn't do it, and just the skills would be lost. Unless it was in the library somewhere. But the library didn't, couldn't even tell you what hogs were, so I don't know how it would tell you. I was going to say in the box... Oh, I see. Some sort of instruction on how to survive out in the world. Yes. Like, this is a river. You can drink from it. This is a fox. This is a bear. Don't mess with it. (laughs) Something along those lines. Yeah. Do you think overall the city of Ember was a good plan? I mean, the builders were worried about the survival of humankind. They came up with a plan. It seems to have worked. We'll have to read the next book to find out how successful it was. But overall, do you think it was a good plan? Yes, I think. And it turned out well, too. It was a good plan. Most, like, everyone survived, and the human race kept repopulating, so it's not like we died out as a species entirely. So other than including the, the ingre- or ingredients, the directions for hunting, what what would you have done differently? I think I would have done something to make the box more secure so it stayed in the mayor's office. Okay. Like, maybe opened it up, nailed it down to the desk. Just like, open this when it opens. Yeah, with maybe something says, will open in t- automatically in 200 years. Or do not open for 200 years or yeah. something like that. And then keep it away from a baby. <laughs> oh, that's true. That would have made everything so much easier. So this is an interesting philosophical question. We understand how corrupt the mayor is. And I think a lot of people probably would have gathered that. I mean, you've got this big fat guy. When the rest of you are starving, something's wrong with that picture. Yes. Why did people follow him anyway? Because I think they lost, they might have thought it was some birth defect or something that made him bigger. Because they lost the thought process to think, oh, he's bigger than us. Maybe there's something there. If I never would have been around people, and it's not like they saw the mayor all the time. So if everyone's like this, I'm more worried about school and money. I'm not really going to think about how big the mayor is. Okay. What about you? I think a lot of people get so down in the rut of daily life that they don't step back to think about other things. And a lot of people, unfortunately, just want somebody else to tell them what to do. And that the mayor takes that role. I don't want to think about these things. I just want to do my thing and go home and be fine. I don't want to worry. Like, mm-hmm. let someone else tell me what to do. Because if, if someone else is telling me what to do, I can relax and concentrate on these other things. No, I'm pretty into politics. But if everybody was as into politics as like people who are super into it, we, none of us would eat. Somebody has to do other jobs to make food and do other things. Yes. So there has to be a division of labor there. Um, and I think people just outsource their brain when it comes to the running of the city. Even today, most people don't understand how government works. And as long as it's not 
screwing them over. They don't care to think about it because things are okay. Mm-hmm. Like we were joking the other night, I forget what we were watching, where they were talking about the, the oh, it's um, National Treasure. And they were talking about the, oh, yeah. the, the Declaration of Independence. They were upset over a 3% tax on tea. We pay 50% of our income in taxes at various levels. We don't care because we've got all the TV we want. We're still happy. You know, if we were miserable in paying 50%, things might be different. But because life is good, it doesn't matter how much money we're paying in reality. Mm-hmm. And people just don't take time to think about it. So the mayor's doing good as long as people are happy. Presidents get kicked out of office when, when the economy starts to go bad and people start to suffer, whether it was their fault or not. They just want to blame somebody and get a new get a, get a new jockey on the horse and let them go. But they don't want to do it themselves. Yeah. Just stop asking me questions about politics. You answer those, leave me alone. <laughs> Otherwise, this is going to turn into a whole different podcast. <laughs> okay, so we get to the end of the story. Uh, Lina, Dune, and Poppy take the take Mr. Frog's wild ride down the river. They make it out. They find the diary. They find their way outside. Drop the, the message down. It's found by Mrs. Murdo. How do you think that goes? Because there's already a semi-riot happening. And she knows they're gone. She knows they're gone. Let's fan fiction this. She was an older woman. Mm-hmm. So is she going to think this is... She's either going to think this is some child imagination. But it just fell out of the sky. I guess you're right. She might like... And she saw the light. Like, didn't they, they had like a lighter or something, or a candle, and she, yeah. could, she could look up and see it. It looked like a star in the sky. She might take it to... Someone like Clary, not someone in authority. Yeah, we don't know if she knew Clary, but someone like that. Someone like a person similar to that and see what they think. And so then maybe it might excel from there. What about you? What do you think she did? She has to take, I mean, she has to get the word out. I think there was a group of people ready to to revolt, riot. The Believers. Well, the Believers. No, the Believers were like a religious group. There, there also seemed to be people protesting as things were getting worse, saying, we've got to do something about this. Yeah. What are you doing about this, Mayor? If you go to them and say, hey, this mess, that, that gets the word out, and then it can't be squelched by the authority. Mm-hmm. I would tell as many people, like, undercover as I could so that word got out. And that way, even if they took the package or they, you know, they captured me, word's already out. And then things get taken care of, hopefully. I mean, that's the best you can hope for. Spread the word as fast and as hard as you can so that... The authorities can't do anything about it. And then we all go, look, oh, there are boats here. Let's figure this out. Yeah. Take a wild ride down the river. And then they make it out. And it's beautiful green up here. Do you think there's any other people up there? I mean, there could be survivors from whatever Holocaust happened, uh, whether it was nuclear, whether it was disease, whatever happened that destroys mankind. There could be more people left over. And they could be nice, happy people, or they could be savages. We don't know. We'll have to find out. It would be interesting. I, you know, there'd be a lot of fan fiction you could write at this point to kind of look through, you know, look down the looking glass and see what's going Everything. on. Everything. Right. And then these people come out, and, like they're fresh babies, and like, what are they gonna do? How do they figure this out? What's this thing? Oh, what's this green stuff? They don't know. They don't have. They barely have yeah. plants. I mean, Clary had an idea that things came from seed, but it doesn't seem like that was things people really understood. Yes. Lizzie wasn't taught that in school, because she was mm-hmm. so amazed that the seed did anything. Like she kind of knew in her head, but didn't get how it happened. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be interesting. Some of the some of the post-apocalyptic books that I've read and really enjoyed include a good bit of the rebuilding phase. Like, thinking through that process is fun for me. Like, okay, well, what do you do about this? You know, how do you deal with crime? 
you know, one book I read, they had a bunch of people that were savage crazy and they were like, okay, we have to do something with them. What do we do? Can we put them in prison? And somebody basically said, we can't afford, there's not enough food to feed them too. That's why we have to execute them. Because you, while, while it morally might be wrong to execute them, you can only live with the morals that you can afford. And we can't afford to keep them alive. I was yeah. like, that was an interesting thought process. I don't know that I agree with that, but it's a, it was an interesting thought process to, if you didn't have all the money in the world to waste like, our, like we do, to keep people alive and fed three meals a day for the rest of their lives, do you execute them and call it good? I, I don't know. It's an interesting, th- it's an interesting, yes. th- interesting thought experiment. For your older children at home. That would be something we could, you know, walk through and talk about later. But I think I, there we just, we've done quite a few other post-apocalyptic books. Yeah, I know why we're, we're both so attracted to those, but they're fun. But they all seem to end after the main cause is over. Like, in School of Good and Evil, it ended after they... Not School of Good and Evil. Girl Who Owned a City. It ended after the conflict was resolved. Right. So, and then it stopped. There was no rebuilding, which I wish it would have had because I find that The whole that book, I think, was rebuilding to some degree for that one. Like, yes. They went and found things. They started a garden. They figured things out. You know, she learned that she could do it, but now I can't remember the, the bad guy. He realized he couldn't lead the people to actually rebuild civilization. They wouldn't listen to him. Mm-hmm. Where she had ways to make that happen. All right, we're coming up on, wow, 30 minutes. That's actually a pretty long episode without thinking a whole lot about it. So, but we didn't talk about readability. Like, what age group is this book appropriate for? And our, our general scores on the book. So you want to go ahead and give me your thoughts on that? After you're done yawning? Readability. I think it would be an older kid. More older. Why is that? Um... Well, there's a lot. Nothing graphic, no language. No. It's just kind of the concepts of being. Yes, the themes is why I say it would be older. Okay. Like, they're rebelling against authority. There was a show I used to watch where there was a kid like that, and I started acting like that. So that's why I'd kind of say it's a little bit older. Okay. Maybe eight or nine. Eight or nine? What about, what do you think? Uh, I'm probably going to say ten. Just because I, more about the the book itself, not the context or anything, but the words, um, understanding some more abstract abstract concepts that they're trying to make like of lost vocabulary and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our kid might be able to read it if they're particularly skilled, but they might find it a little bit confusing. I'm not sure. Well, okay, our score is one to five. Halves are allowed. One being, why did they ever print this book? We should burn all the copies. Five being. We should force everybody in the world to read this book. It's amazing. What do you give this? What do you give City of Ember? I'd say three and a half. Three and a half? It was okay for the first book in the series. I definitely do want to read the next. Um, but it just wasn't the greatest book I've ever read. Yeah. I'd do 3.5 as well. I think it's our, our popular book. Copycat. Mo- I have a little bit. You're my idol. Uh, it's- Yay. It feels like this is the like I can't decide if we're too hard on books or or what. Maybe you guys who are listening can give us some insight on what you think about our scoring. I feel like we end on three and three and a, three and a half all the time. Four. Have we gotten to a four at all? I've done four. Okay. Four and a half. I don't think we've had a five though. No. Or a two. Yeah. Okay. Uh. 
trying to think if I might have gone down to a two on something. Anyway, uh, but I'd say three and a half, same as what you said. For a first book, or even a standalone, if you don't read the rest of the series, I think the book ends satisfactorily. You can read it, be happy, move along, or if you're interested in finding out what else happens, pick up the rest of the books. Mm -hmm. The characters were good. Um, interesting enough, the action kept moving, that I, I was never bored and like praying that it, that it moved on. So that, I think, covers everything we want to talk about. I do like books with more character development, and I know in a first book that's harder. That's another reason I did it a little bit lower. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Go ahead and like and subscribe on whatever podcast uh, listener or viewer you, you use, whether that's iTunes or something else. Do us a favor and spread the word. Share this share this podcast with your friends. Tell them if, you're, if they read the book, they got to check out the podcast or check out the podcast and then go ahead and read the book. Uh, we did Penderwicks last week, last week, last month, and for the month of December, we're going to go ahead and hit a classic, which is something our family reads kind of every December. It's one of our Christmas traditions. We're going to do The Lion, the, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. By C.S. Lewis. Um, by C.S. Lewis. The man. Oh, we didn't have a C.S. Lewis quote this episode. Oh, wow, that breaks our streak. Now I'm a little sad. I guess mentioning the book is close enough, we'll call it. <laughs> um, C.S. Lewis is one of our favorite authors in our family. Um, we just love to hear what, what your insight is. We know a lot of your are um, homeschoolers that are in our private Facebook group, but anybody else who wants to join, go ahead and head over to reading-radio.com. You can find the link to our private Facebook group there. It'll pop up and just ask you if you want to join. You just have to go and tell us what your favorite book is before you join. That way I know you're not a robot You can because you can answer the question. And we'd love to hear more about what we can do. Um, one of the suggestions from our listeners was to add more people to the podcast, and we did that last month. And mm -hmm. if we can ever get Zoe and Heather to read the books with us, we'd add more people. Or if any of you out there are decent at talking, we might be able to get some of our guests, a special guest on the show. So we're trying to get author interviews, so if you know somebody who's writing young adult fiction, send them our way. We'd love to read, the, read and review their book and then maybe interview them on the concepts as well. Anything else we need to cover? No, nope. I think that covers everything. All right. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.